3: From the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak for Tuesday, April 5th, 2022. Coming up this hour.
4: President Biden says Vladimir Putin could face a war crimes trial.
3: Ukrainian President Zelensky addresses the U.N. Security Council. The Treasury makes it harder for Russia to make debt payments. And the U.S. and E.U. eye more sanctions on Moscow. New York Mayor
5: Adams tells Floridians, come here where you can say gay. This is the city of Stonewall. Plus, the Senate will vote on confirming Supreme Court nominee Jackson. I'm Michael Barr. More ahead. I'm John
6: Stanstower in Sports. A big second half comeback for Kansas to beat North Carolina in a thrilling national championship game.
1: That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak. On Bloomberg 11.30 New York. Bloomberg 991 Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 1061 Boston. Bloomberg 960 San Francisco. Sirius XM 119 and around the world on BloombergRadio.com and via the Bloomberg Business app.
4: Good morning, I'm Nathan Hager.
3: And I'm Karen Moscow. And U.S. stock index futures are little change this morning. We're coming up to 501 on Wall Street, and we check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. Again, futures are little change. The DAX in Germany is up two tenths of a percent. Ten-year Treasury down 13.30 seconds. Yield 2.44 percent, and the yield on the two-year 2.45 percent. NYMEX crude oil is up 1.6 percent, up a dollar 60 at 104.88 cents a barrel. COMEX gold is little. Change. Changed at 1935.50 an ounce. The euro is at 1.0969 against the dollar, the yen at 122.82, and Bitcoin at $46,650. Nathan.
4: Karen, let's begin with the war. Lots of developments to get to this morning. Russia is shifting troops and tactics in Ukraine, and the move could point to a change in Moscow's end goal. Bloomberg's Ed Baxter has the story.
1: National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan saying a pull away from Kyiv. Russia is repositioning its
4: forces to concentrate its offensive operations in eastern and parts of southern Ukraine. And that's the area around Donbass in the east, which is a scene of brutal
1: fighting by Russian separatists and setting up a narrative for Putin to claim victory. This with President Joe Biden calling for Vladimir Putin to be brought to trial. This guy is brutal, and what's happening in Bucha is outrageous. And the Pentagon says it plans on sending 10 of the latest Switchblade drones. In San Francisco, I'm Ed Baxter, Bloomberg Daybreak.
3: right, thank you. Well, videos of streets in the town of Bucha strewn with corpses have sparked global outrage. They've also sparked vehement denials from Russia that it was responsible for the deaths. Daniel Fried is former ambassador to Poland and former assistant secretary of state for Europe.
2: What we know is that the apparent massacre of civilians at Bucha fits the pattern of Russia's conduct of this war from the beginning.
3: And former Ambassador to Poland, Daniel Fried, spoke on Bloomberg Sound On. Catch the program weekdays at 5 p.m. Eastern on Bloomberg Radio.
4: Ukraine's President Volodymyr Zelensky will address the United Nations Security Council today, Karen. That speech is scheduled to begin at 10 a.m. New York time. There is also word that EU officials will travel to Ukraine to meet with Zelensky. European Commission President Ursula von der Leyen and High Representative Joseph Borrell are planning a trip to Kiev later this week.
3: Meantime, Nathan, the U.S. is stepping up actions targeting Moscow. The Treasury is now stopping Russia from its paying debt through U.S. accounts. And we get the story live with Bloomberg's John Tucker. John.
7: Karen, dollar debt payments from Russian government accounts at U.S. banks are now halted. This forces Russia to choose among three pretty unappealing options, draining dollar reserves held in its own country, spending new revenue, or going into default. Vladimir Putin's government has so far stayed current on its foreign debt obligations. Now, the latest U.S. move will intensify scrutiny on payments that are due May 27th for interest owed on sovereign dollar and euro notes. Russia's central bank says its foreign currency and gold reserves have plunged to the lowest level since last August. Live in New York, I'm John Tucker, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, John, thanks.
4: And Europe is also taking action against Russia with new sanctions on the way. That's according to European Commission Vice President Valdis Dombrovskis. The European Commission is already preparing the next uh, sanctions uh, package, and I hope that member states will be uh, able to uh, decide on uh, ambitious uh, next uh, uh, steps as regarding uh, the uh, sanctions. So we must step up pressure against Russia, and we must uh, step up our support for Ukraine. European Commission Vice President Valdis Dombrovsky says discussions on sanctions will also include the energy sector.
3: Well, turning to the markets now, Nathan. Oil continues to rise on where the U.S. and Europe may impose energy sanctions on Russia. This follows a 4% gain for crude yesterday. Checking prices this morning, NYMEX crude oil up 1.7% at $105 a barrel. Brent is up 1.5% at $109.15 a barrel.
4: And sticking with commodities, Karen, J.P. Morgan Chase is reviewing its business with some clients after last month's nickel short squeeze. The bank is one of the largest players in global commodity markets and the biggest in metals by far.
3: Twitter front and center again this morning, Nathan. After taking a stake in the company, Elon Musk may be looking for changes at the social media company. We get the latest live from Bloomberg's Renita Young. Good morning, Renita.
8: Good morning, Karen. Elon Musk is asking users in a Twitter poll if they want an edit button. There's just under 16 hours left on the poll. And out of 2.4 million votes, 74% appear to support the edit button. Twitter's new CEO is urging people to vote carefully, saying the consequences of the poll will be important twitter's official account posted a message on april 1st saying they're working on an edit button no word on whether it was an april fool's joke but it collected more than 1.3 million likes live in new york i'm renita young bloomberg daybreak
4: all right renita thanks kathy wood is weighing in on elon musk's new twitter stake the arc investment ceo says musk's investment may open the door to a management shake-up at the company
3: I do think for the moment, it's passive, but he's uh, certainly making a statement and uh, it's a statement about censorship. he He doesn't agree with censorship uh, uh, for as smooth functioning democracy as he has tweeted, I believe. Uh, and so uh, I think he's sending a strong signal uh, to the new CEO.
4: Arc Investments' Kathy Wood made the comments in an interview on Bloomberg Business Week. You can catch that program weekdays at 2 p.m. Eastern on Bloomberg Radio and hear more of that interview with Kathy Wood coming up later in this program.
3: And another programming note today, Nathan, please join us this morning for an exclusive interview with Esther George. The Kansas City Fed president talks central bank policy and interest rates with the Bloomberg Radio and Television coming up at 10 a.m. Wall Street time. Again, futures this morning are little change, and the 10-year treasuries down 1230 seconds yield 2.44%. Straight ahead, your latest local headlines, plus the check of sports, and this is Bloomberg.
4: All right, Karen. Thank you. It's 507 on Wall Street. We're at 45 degrees in Central Park and dealing with a couple problems on the New Jersey Turnpike southbound by Exit 10 is where they are, actually. We'll get the details coming up in traffic. First, Michael Barr with more on what's going on in New York and around the world. Good morning, Michael. Good morning,
5: Nathan. New York is launching a digital billboard campaign to lure Floridians unhappy with their states don't say gay law to the city. Mayor Eric Adams announced the billboard supporting LGBTQ visibility will be displayed in five major markets in Florida for eight weeks. This uh, political
6: uh, showmanship of attempting to demonize a particular group or community is unacceptable. And we are going to loudly uh, show our support and say to those who are living in Florida, listen, we want you here in New York.
5: Mayor Adams went on to say New York is the city of Stonewall, The announcement came one week after Florida Governor Ron DeSantis signed a bill into law that forbids instruction on sexual orientation and gender identity in kindergarten through third grade. A 61-year-old New York City woman was shot and killed by a stray bullet in front of a grocery store in the Bronx last night. Police say the innocent bystander was walking when she was struck in the back by the stray bullet. NYPD Commissioner Keachin Sewell.
8: Another act of senseless violence on the streets of this city, mindless shootings with no thought or fear of the consequences.
5: Commissioner Sewell says they will spare no resources to bring those responsible for the violence to justice. Republican Senators Lisa Murkowski and Mitt Romney said they would vote to confirm Judge Katanji Brown-Jackson to a seat on the U.S. Supreme Court. Last week, Republican Senator Susan Collins of Maine also said she would support Jackson. Yesterday, the Senate Judiciary Committee split 11-11 on sending Jackson's nomination to the floor. That required a separate vote of the full Senate. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer on the Judiciary Committee vote.
6: Sadly... Despite the judge's qualifications, not a single Republican on the committee
7: voted to report her out of committee.
5: Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell.
7: Judge Jackson has gone beyond the judicial role to rewrite immigration policy from the bench and make it even more liberal.
5: Senator McConnell. Global News 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg QuickTake, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg. Nathan.
4: All right, Michael, thanks. Going up to 5.10 on Wall Street, time for the Bloomberg Sports Update. Good morning, John Stashan. Good morning, Nathan. You couldn't ask for a better national
6: championship game with zeros on the clock. The ball was in the air, and you didn't know whether Kansas had won or North Carolina had sent the game to overtime. The shot fell well short, and the Jayhawks won 72-69 in New Orleans to win the fourth NCAA title in school history, the second for Bill Self who thought he was going to win two years ago. His team was ranked number one when the tournament was canceled due to
9: COVID. I always thought the 2020 team was better, uh, more equipped to do well in the NCAA tournament uh, after the way these kids have played the last uh, month. I think this team can play with any team that Kansas has ever put on the floor.
6: Oshay Baji was the most outstanding player, but the big shots down the stretch, the three-pointer by Remy Martin that snapped a tie, and the two hoops from the lane by the center, David McCormack, Kansas, had trailed by 16. By 15 at halftime, it's the biggest comeback in championship game history. North Carolina done in by shooting only 32%, made only 5 of 23 3 pointers Nets host Houston tonight. Nets headed for that play-in tournament. Kevin Durant admits their season was derailed by his knee injury, during which time they went 5-17. and 17. Nets made the trade to Philadelphia to get Ben Simmons. Got the injured back, has still yet to play for them. The Nets say Simmons won't be able to go in that play-in tourney. Tiger Woods, on the other hand, played nine practice holes at Augusta National. Played with Justin Thomas and Fred Couples, who said Tiger's play was phenomenal. Nothing definite. Tiger has called it a game-time decision, but certainly... The indications are the Tiger, 14 months after that car accident, going to tee it up with the Masters. Starts Thursday.
4: John Stash, our Bloomberg Sports. Anything? Of course, we'll have the coverage of the Masters, as always, right here on Bloomberg Radio. Thank you for that, John. Right now, S&P futures are little changed. So are Dow futures down just three points. NASDAQ futures are higher by one point. The action is in the bond market with 10-year Treasuries down 13.30 seconds. The yield 2.44%. That's the yield on the two-year as well. You're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. Bloomberg 1130 weather, mostly cloudy today. Chance for an isolated afternoon shower with highs in the mid-50s. In fact, we're going to stay in the mid-50s through the next three days with rain throughout. Right now, 45 in Central Park
1: markets headlines and breaking news 24 hours a day at bloomberg.com the bloomberg business app and at bloomberg quick take this is a bloomberg business flash
3: I'm Karen Moscow. European stocks are rising this morning. U.S. stock index futures are little changed. Oil gaining as investors evaluate the prospect of tougher sanctions against Russia. Bonds are retreating amid deepening concern about inflation and the policy response. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures, again, little change this morning along with Dow and NASDAQ futures. The DAX in Germany is up about two-tenths of a percent. Ten-year Treasury down 1230 seconds, yield 2.44 percent. The yield on the two-year two point four four percent as well. NyMex crude oil is up 1.8% one point eight percent of a dollar eighty five at one hundred five dollars fourteen cents a barrel. Comex gold is a little change at nineteen thirty-two eighty an ounce. The euro one point oh nine eight two against the dollar, the British pound one point three one three nine, the yen at one twenty-two point seven two. And Bitcoin this morning is higher, up 7 tenths percent at $46,630. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael, good morning.
5: Good morning, Karen. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky will address the United Nations Security Council today. The U.S. said it might impose further sanctions this week on Moscow as the world's attention focused on Ukraine saying that Russian troops executed civilians in Bucha and other towns. Russia denies its forces killed civilians. Three Republican senators joined Democrats to force Judge Jackson's Supreme Court nomination out of the Senate Judiciary Committee after a vote there ended in a tie. Kansas has won the NCAA men's basketball title by engineering the greatest second half comeback in finals history. The Jayhawks turned a 16-point second half deficit into a 72-69 victory over North Carolina. In the NHL, the Bruins won in overtime against the Blue Jackets, 3-2. Global News, 24 hours a day, on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this
4: is Bloomberg. Nathan. Yeah, turn around like that is why they call it March Madness. <laughs> Thank you, Michael. It is 519 on Wall Street, live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. Let's turn now to the latest on the war in Ukraine. We're joined once again by Bloomberg News Executive Editor for International Government, Rosalind Matheson. Roz, good morning. We've had some pretty significant developments in just the last few minutes, including this word from the European Commission that President Ursula von der Leyen and High Commissioner Joseph Burrell are planning to visit Kiev in the next couple of days here. And of course, this comes after the horrific images we've seen of apparent mass civilian deaths near Ukraine in the city of Bucha and other places. What kind of signal does this send that the European Commission, these uh, high-ranking leaders, are now going into what is essentially a war zone.
10: Well, certainly, as you say, it would probably be the highest-ranking officials to go into Ukraine since the war broke out, and and certainly to sit down in person with the Ukrainian president in the capital, and it comes amid real pressure on Europe to do more um, than it's already doing to support Ukraine in the face of what appears to be, on the Ukrainian side, uh, war crimes committed by Russian troops in the north, and a lot of pressure on Europe to agree to further moves on sanctions, particularly embargo on the energy side. So the visit is really symbolic in some ways. It's designed just to show Europe really does stand with Ukraine in this moment. You wouldn't imagine that she's in a position to promise him particular things on the ground, although we do know that NATO nations are considering further weapons packages to go in. And there's a lot of discussion going on this week in Brussels about possible embargoes on energy. It's probably too soon for her to be able to promise him anything, but at the least a symbolic effort to show that Europe is still there supporting Ukraine in this moment.
4: And you have to think, Roz, that uh, as President Zelensky prepares to address the U.N. Security Council later this morning, that there's going to be even more pressure brought to bear, not just on the European Union, but on the U.S. to do more on the sanctions front and on the military aid front as well.
10: Well, that's right, because aside from action on, on sanctions, and Ukraine has also called for a full ban on Russian ships docking at ports in Europe and any goods from Russia being unloaded at all. And some in the European Union are calling even for any Russian citizen to not be able to get an EU visa, which is unlikely, of course, to happen. But aside from those things, Ukraine is also still pushing for military equipment to come in beyond the missiles that have that have gone so far, particularly fighter jets. Um, and that's something that NATO, including the US, has balked at Um, Sending fighter jets in to Ukraine Or also agreeing particularly to a no-fly zone over Ukraine So you can imagine that the the President will raise those points again In his UN Security Council address today Particularly anchored around the events of of the past few days In those northern towns And calling on, on Europe and the US And saying you cannot just sit there And watch these things unfold in these towns Because of course what happened in one town Is very likely to have happened in others So we can expect more distressing reports to come out in the coming days so you'll probably get an extremely heartfelt appeal by the ukrainian president to the u.n security council later today
4: and we heard from president biden yesterday as well as national security advisor jake sullivan hinting at even more sanctions against russia including some targeted at the energy sector beyond a full ban on oil and gas purchases from russia what could energy related sanctions against russia look like at this point
10: well, it's really those big three things, which is gas, oil and coal, um, and Europe's really on the hook for all three of those. The US has moved further than Europe so far on the energy front, and it's been the big economies of in Europe, particularly Germany, which is so reliant on Russian gas, saying if we do this all of a sudden, it's going to be too much of a shock for our economy and therefore an economic shock for Europe. As well. So it's those three things. Can we get movement at least on one of them? Potentially coal, for example, would they be willing to discuss that? Maybe coal and oil and you leave gas for later. Um, but certainly you would expect that they have to sort of signal that they're going to move faster to wean themselves off, uh, Russian gas, um, than, than they've said, which is really the end of the year. So possibly action on coal in particular. We should look for that. But, um, gas is really the big one. And that's the hardest one, of course.
4: Very quickly, Roz, only about 30 seconds left here, but have we seen any further movement in the latest negotiations by video between Russia and Ukraine?
10: Well, we only know that uh, Russia says that talks were ongoing. There's been no clarity about video talks yesterday, if they were even held and if anything was resolved. Certainly, talks will probably continue towards a ceasefire, but you imagine what we're seeing in the north of Ukraine makes it even more complicated to get to a broader peace deal because the Ukrainian president is in a position where he cannot be seen to be giving any territory away. So complicating that that broader conversation for down the track.
4: Yeah, certainly feels that way. As always, Roz, thank you for keeping us up to speed. Rosalind Mathis our executive editor for international government at bloomberg news right now s&p futures are down two points Dow futures down 16 nasdaq futures down seven so little change as far as equity futures go the 10-year treasury though down 14 seconds the yield 2.44 percent yield on the two-year now just a touch higher than the 10-year at 2.45 Bloomberg 1130 weather, mostly cloudy today. An isolated afternoon shower possible with highs near 55 degrees. The rain will end by tomorrow afternoon with highs near 55. Rain returns Thursday, right now, 45 in Central Park. It's 5.30 on Wall Street. Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager.
3: And I'm Karen We're just about four hours away from the open of U.S. trading. Let's get you up to date on the news you need to know at this hour. Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky will address the U.N. Security Council this morning. His remarks come as the world reacts to graphic images of civilian deaths in the city of Bucha. Russia denies responsibility for the deaths. Meantime, President Biden is calling on President Vladimir Putin, a war criminal.
2: We have to gather the information. We have to continue to provide Ukraine with the weapons they need to continue the fight. And we have to gather all the detail so this could be an actual, have a war crime trial.
3: President Biden is also promising more sanctions. National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan says they'll be announced this week and will include economic pressure on Russia.
4: Well, the U.S. Treasury is also ramping up pressure on Moscow, Karen. Now it's stopping Russia from paying debt through its U.S. accounts. Let's get that story live from Bloomberg's John Tucker. John.
7: Nathan, the move will force Russia to drain its dollar reserves, spend new revenue, or go into default. It further ratchets up pressure on Vladimir Putin to end his invasion of Ukraine. The latest move will intensify scrutiny on payments that are due May 27th for interest owed on sovereign dollar and euro notes. Russia's foreign currency and gold reserves have plunged to the lowest level since last August. Live in New York, I'm John Tucker, Bloomberg Daybreak.
3: All right, John, thank you. Well, turning to the markets now, oil continues to rise. Onward, the U.S. and Europe may impose energy sanctions on Russia. That follows a 4% gain for crude yesterday. Checking prices right now, NYMEX crude oil is up 1.5%, up $1.55 at $104.83 a barrel. Brent is up 1.4% at $109.07. And another
4: other commodity-related news this morning, Karen, J.P. Morgan Chase is reviewing its business with some clients after last month's nickel short squeeze. Bank is one of the largest players in global commodity markets and the biggest in metals by far.
3: Well, Twitter is front and center again this morning, Nathan. After taking a stake in the company, Elon Musk may be looking for changes at the social media company. We get the latest live from Bloomberg's Renita Young. Good morning, Renita.
8: Good morning, Karen.
3: Elon Musk
8: is asking users in a Twitter poll if they want an edit button. Now, there's about 15 hours left on the poll, and out of almost 2.5 million votes, 73% appear to support the edit button. Twitter's new CEO says the consequences of the poll will be important and urges people to vote carefully. Live in New York, I'm Renita Young, Bloomberg Daybreak.
3: All right, Renita, thank you. And futures this morning, their little change to lower. The 10-year treasury down 1330 seconds, yield 2.44%. Straight ahead, your latest local headlines, plus a check of sports. This is Bloomberg.
4: Okay, Karen, thanks. It's 533 on Wall Street. We're at 46 degrees in Central Park. We've got an accident on the southbound FDR drive at 106. Details coming up in traffic. First, Michael Barr with more on what's going on in New York and around the world.
5: Michael? Thank you very much, Nathan. New York City is launching a digital billboard campaign to lure people in Florida who are unhappy with their states' don't say gay law to the Big Apple. Mayor Eric Adams says the billboards supporting LGBTQ visibility will be displayed in five major markets in Florida for eight weeks. We are
6: in unison with you and your right uh, to uh, have... Uh, self-identification, your right to be, uh, live the lifestyle and live uh, the lives that you choose to live without any form of harassment.
5: Last week, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis signed a bill into law that forbids instruction on sexual orientation and gender identity in kindergarten through third grade. LGBTQ groups have condemned the legislation saying it will marginalize LGBTQ children and families. As Democrats move toward confirming Judge Katanji Brown-Jackson to the U.S. Supreme Court by the end of the week, three Republican senators have announced they plan to join Democrats to confirm her to the nation's highest court. Susan Collins, Mitt Romney, and Lisa Murkowski joined Democrats to force Judge Jackson's nomination out of the Senate Judiciary Committee after a vote there yesterday ended in a tie. The House panel investigating the Capitol attack is backing away from a bid for the testimony of the former vice president. Select committee chair Benny Thompson says the panel will not subpoena Mike Pence for his testimony.
2: There's no effort on the part of the committee uh, to get him to come in.
5: Pence's chief of staff is national security advisor and his chief counsel have all sat for lengthy interviews before the panel. Senate bargainers have reached an agreement on a slimmed-down $10 billion package for countering COVID-19 with treatments, vaccines, and other steps. But the compromise ended up dropping off funding to help nations abroad combat the pandemic. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg QuickTake, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael
4: Barr. This is Bloomberg Nathan. Okay, Michael, thanks. Thanks. 5.35 5.35 on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Sports Update with John Stashower.
6: Thanks, Nathan. Biggest championship game comeback in NCAA tournament history in New Orleans. Kansas and North Carolina were tied at 22. And then Carolina had a 16-0 run, led by 15 at halftime. Midway through the second half, that lead was gone. Jayhawks actually went up by six at one point. Game was tied with three minutes left. Tie-breaking three-pointer by Remy Martin. Carolina reclaimed the lead. David McCormack hit a shot to put Kansas back on top. And then he hit another... To put him ahead by three, Carolina had a chance after a Kansas turnover. Caleb Love's game-time three fell short. The Jayhawks won a thriller, 72-69, fourth title in school history. They also won a 1952-88 and 2008. Bill Self coached that team also to a comeback victory. I did
9: tell him before the uh the half was over, I said, which would be harder, being down nine with two minutes left
0: or being down 15 with 20? And they all said, being down nine with two minutes left. I said, so this, we can do this and, and uh, because that's the way it was in 08.
6: Carolina denied a seventh title, feeling heartbreak much like six years ago when they lost to Villanova at the buzzer. Carolina was plus 20 rebounding, but love. R.J. Davis and Armando Bocock together shot 13 of
2: 54.
6: In Tampa, Yankees for the Phillies. Aaron Judge had a 3 run homer. He's hit four fourteen this spring with four homers. Dom Smith, a 3 run shot. The Mets and Astros finished in a tie. The Grapefruit League ends today. The Mets then head to Washington. The Yankees head home. Opening day, weather permitting. Thursday, Rangers is the Devils tonight. Nets host Houston. John stash at Bloomberg Sports.
4: Nathan? Okay, John, thanks. 537 on Wall Street. Time for the Tri-State Business Report. Here's Bloomberg's Ed Corey. Manhattan apartment
11: sales continued their hot streak in the first quarter. With rising demand clashing up against an inventory crunch to stoke bidding wars in a growing share of deals. Purchases completed above the asking price made up 9.3% of all transactions, the highest portion in four years. Residents of high-rise luxury apartments might have to take out their own trash. If the doorman and staff of 3,000 New York buildings go on strike... The union contract for more than 30,000 workers from buildings owned by companies like Vornado Realty Trust and related companies runs out April 20th. New Jersey's first company to take bets on competitive video games begins full operations this week after completing a trial run. London-based Esports Entertainment Group was approved for operations after a period of soft play while regulators
4: evaluated its product. That's your Bloomberg Tri-State Business Report. I'm Ed Corey. Thanks, Ed. 538 on Wall Street. Bloomberg Radio is on the air from San Francisco to New York, London to Hong Kong. Let's check in with our global news team for some of the top stories heard on our 300 affiliate radio stations around the world.
6: I'm Steve Potisk, and on 1010 Wins in New York, we're talking about how Manhattan apartment buyers are still dealing with bidding wars.
3: I'm Courtney Donahoe
8: on KRLD in Dallas. Exxon is signaling its highest profit since 2008 on upended commodity markets.
11: I'm Ed Corey on WTAM in Cleveland. I'm reporting Kroger plans to build a grocery delivery hub in Oakwood.
8: And those
4: are some of the stories that our 2,700 Bloomberg journalists and analysts are working on this morning around the world. We're coming up to 539 on Wall Street.
0: The following is an editorial from Bloomberg Opinion. This editorial was written by the Bloomberg Editorial Board. The U.S. government has long offered enticements to get Americans to save for retirement. Why, some might ask, should it be involved at all? There are two answers. First, people turn out to be pretty bad at thinking about the distant future. It seems our brains aren't wired for it. Second, the financial choices involved in retirement are uniquely complicated. Encouraging people to save more and helping them do it wisely would make a lot of Americans better off. But in recent decades, the U.S. system of retirement savings, such as it is, has shifted sharply toward an ethos of personal responsibility. As a result, nearly half of workers nearing retirement age lack retirement savings. The government should be doing more to steer Americans toward better choices, both for their own financial security and for the public good. This editorial was written by the Bloomberg Editorial Board. For more Bloomberg Opinion, please go to Bloomberg.com slash opinion or go on the Bloomberg Terminal.
4: This has been Bloomberg Opinion. You can hear Bloomberg Opinion editorials every
0: weekday at this
4: time. Terminal customers can read more. At opin go. Looking ahead to the market open, futures are moving just a little bit lower. With S and P futures now down six points, Dow futures down forty six, Nasdaq futures down eighteen. That's a drop across the board of about a tenth percent. The bond sell off continues with the ten year Treasury down fourteen thirty seconds. The yield two point four four percent yield on the two year, two point four five. You're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. Bloomberg 1130 weather, mostly cloudy today, an isolated afternoon shower possible with highs in the mid-50s. The rain will end by tomorrow afternoon, high near 55 once again, and mid-50s with rain returning Thursday. Right now, 46 in Central Park.
1: Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business app, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash.
3: I'm Karen Moscow, and European stocks are rising this morning. U.S. stock index futures have turned lower while oil is gaining as investors evaluate the prospect of tougher sanctions against Russia. Bonds retreating amid deepening concern about inflation and the policy response. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day. On Bloomberg, S&P futures down 8 points, Dow futures down 58, NASDAQ futures down 27. The 10-year Treasury down 13.30 seconds, yield 2.44%. And the yield on the two-year, 2.45%. And NYMEX crude oil is up 1.5% or $1.53 at $104.80 a barrel. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael.
5: Karen, thank you very much. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky prepares to talk to the U.N. Security Council today amid outrage over growing evidence Moscow soldiers deliberately killed civilians. Ketanji Brown-Jackson is set to become the first black woman on the Supreme Court. The Senate voted 53-47 to discharge Jackson's nomination from the Senate Judiciary Committee, a procedural step made necessary after the panel deadlocked on its vote. Kansas has won the NCAA men's basketball title by engineering the greatest second-half comeback in finals history. The Jayhawks turned a 16-point second-half deficit into a 72-69 victory over North Carolina. In the NHL, the Bruins won in OT against the Blue Jackets 3-2. Global News, 24 hours today. Day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. Nathan.
4: Okay, Michael, thank you. We're coming up to 549 on Wall Street. Now live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak. And Brian Levitt is with us this morning, global market strategist at Invesco. As we watch this uh, slight turn to the downside in equities this morning, particularly in Europe now, with both the uh, DAX and CAC uh, turning lower and futures, uh, pointing to losses this morning. Of course, the bond sell-off continues, of course, what do you think is driving the sentiment? Is it just uh, Ukraine moves? Is it the Fed? What's your view?
9: Yeah, I think it's all of it. I mean, you know, we're, we're seeing oil prices back up again. We know that inflation continues to remain an issue. And we know that there's going to be meaningful policy tightening over the next year. So, you know, the markets are still trying to navigate all this. Ultimately, I think it still is a a better backdrop for stocks than it is for bonds. Uh, stocks tend to be a better inflation hedge. And when you're buying stocks, you're buying nominal growth. And so a nominal growth continues to be strong in the United States. So I would expect equities to continue to move higher, but we're in the part of the cycle where it tends to be more volatile and returns tend to be more compressed than they are uh, during better recovery or expansion parts of the cycle.
4: When you say uh, stocks are a better hedge against inflation right now is does that just point to the whole idea of TINA there is no alternative? Yeah, there's not a, there's not a lot of alternatives. I mean, the
9: challenge is with bonds is that, you know, inflation erodes any income that you can generate and you know, for investors, they they need to look to things right now because inflation's not going to peak for a bit. So they need to look at things right now that can hedge against inflation. I wouldn't say there's not any other alternative. I mean, equities do quite well. Real estate investment trusts are a good hedge against inflation. Commodities tend to be a very good hedge against inflation. So it's not that there aren't any alternatives. It's that equities just are managing this better than bonds, as you would expect, um, with inflation as elevated as it is.
4: How much of an indicator do you put in the inverted yield curve when it comes to stock performance?
9: Well, I think we ignore it at our own peril. So we know that when the 2s, 10s spread inverts, it tends to be a harbinger of future economic woes. The time period between the inversion of the yield curve and a recession tends to be about 18 months. Now, the challenge that investors are grappling with right now is that while the 2s, 10s is inverted, the three month 10 year is actually quite wide. And that's because the Fed is behind the curve. And so we've got a lot of policy tightening still to go. So I would tend to view the twos tens as a harbinger of future economic woes, but focus more on the Fed and where the three month 10 year is going to be. The reality is though, if you look at the last eight decades, when the twos tens inverts, the median return of the S&P 500 Between the day that the 2s, 10s inverts until the recession, the median return is 19%. So it's not a good timing tool for equity investors. But again, I know it's the third time I'll say it. It's Mm -hmm. a harbinger of future economic woes, not a timing tool for equity investors.
4: Now, we've heard from a lot of analysts and uh, uh, folks like you say that the Fed is behind the curve. Do you expect that the central bank is going to try to get ahead somewhat by – being more aggressive on rate hikes, doing something like a 50 basis point move next month or even more like that in subsequent meetings?
9: Yeah, I suspect they will. I mean, the reality is that we've seen the two year price in a lot of tightening and the Federal Reserve views the market while it's been volatile. The broad indices have held up quite fine. Um, emerging markets have held up quite fine. The dollar hasn't strengthened meaningfully. So for the Fed it's a sign that they are able that the the, the, the economy can handle this type of tightening. So we expect the Fed to, to move towards a neutral rate somewhere around two, two and a half percent. Um you know, how they get there, whether it's 25 or 50 remains to be seen, but but policy tightening is happening and, and, and they will ultimately get there and, and they'll get there in a reasonably short period of time. So the way investors should view that is the risks to the cycle are elevated cycles and with inflation and policy tightening, but but this economy is still sound, and the end to the cycle is not imminent. What we'll need to see is inflationary pressures moderate, so uh, the Fed could perhaps back off their tightening cycle. But but it's going to be a challenge.
4: Just about thirty seconds left here, Brian. What's your target for the S and P this year?
9: I think the S and P is going to be higher from here, um, but but not. Um, you know, it's not going to be a robust year. Clearly, I mean, we still have to navigate out of the hole that that we've started this year. But I think the S and P five hundred will be higher from here, um, and 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 that this this as this cycle continues. Um, mm-hmm. But but again, it's 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 certainly going to be a challenging, volatile environment.
4: As always, Brian. Thanks for your insights. Really appreciate it. Brian Levitt, global market strategist at Invesco with us this morning, Karen.
2: Well,
3: Nathan, we're coming up to 554 on Wall Street. It's time for the Bloomberg Law Report, brought to you by American Arbitration Association. Business disputes are inevitable. Resolve faster with the American Arbitration Association, the global leader in alternative dispute resolution for over 90 years. More at ADR.org. Now, a legal story we're watching this morning brings us to the Supreme Court. Judge Ketanji Brown Jackson is on the brink of making history as the first black woman to sit on the high court. Republican Senators Lisa Murkowski and Mitt Romney join Republican Senator Susan Collins in saying they'll vote for Jackson. But the Senate Judiciary Committee remains deadlocked 11-11 down party lines on whether to send Jackson's nomination to the floor. It's the first time the committee has deadlocked in a Supreme Court nominee in three decades. For more on the matter, Bloomberg's June Grasso speaks to Carl Tobias, a professor at the University of Richmond Law School. What did you hear from the senators?
2: Each of them really it seemed like we're reviewing what they had already talked about and asked her about during the hearing and so there was virtually no new information that was transmitted i think there was pretty substantial agreement that the process is broken but that wasn't why they were there so the republicans continued to criticize her the way they had before they all were relatively careful to say that she is a very nice person, that they liked her family, that she was well qualified. They didn't have questions about her qualifications, but that they disagreed with her on certain issues. A number of them criticized her as someone who would be an activist judge though there isn't a lot of evidence of that on the lower courts where she served. But also they were concerned that she might be soft on crime, though that's hard to discern from her record. Democrats were saying she's extremely well qualified and reminding everyone that this would be an historic appointment and that she'd clerked at all three levels of the federal judiciary, including for Justice Breyer. And that was all ground that had already been plowed.
8: For the first
3: time in three decades, the committee was deadlocked on a Supreme Court nomination. How significant is it that the Senate majority leader had to put the measure on the Senate floor discharging Jackson's nomination from the committee?
2: The history is a little checkered because if you remember back fairly recently, both Bork and Clarence Thomas, Clarence Thomas had a tie vote in Judiciary Committee. Bork was voted down. But at that point, the Democrats agreed, and I think they had the majority, to send them to the floor anyway and have a vote. And that is another sign that this has all changed, because that's the relevant precedent, the most recent relevant precedent. So why not then go ahead and have the final vote? But I think because there's a tie and that custom's gone out the window, apparently, it means that you must discharge the person from committee. It really is just a procedural hurdle, easily resolved, but it just takes more time. You have to have another vote on the floor to discharge her from committee, and you need a majority.
3: And that's University of Richmond Law Professor Carl Tobias speaking with Bloomberg's June Grasso. Catch more of that interview plus analysis of the latest legal news by listening to the Bloomberg Law Show at 10 p.m. Eastern or subscribing to the Bloomberg Law Podcast. And attorneys can find exceptional legal research and business development tools at BloombergLaw.com. And sources tell Bloomberg the EU is planning to propose a mandatory phase-out on coal imports from Russia in a direct response to reports that Russian forces committed apparent war crimes in Ukraine, not just crossing the Bloomberg. Top stories straight ahead.
0: This is Bloomberg. Hi, everyone. I'm Paul Anka. And I'm Skip Bronson. And what happens when two old friends take their decades of experience in the business and entertainment worlds and sit down with our buddies?
2: You get our way.
0: A
1: brand new show from my heart podcast where we chop it up with our pals about everything under the sun.
0: This is our podcast, and we're going to do it our way. Listen to Our
2: Way on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.